Do you ever read those, those magazines that are in the, the seat pocket in front of you in airplanes? I think I read them just about every time that I fly, or I'll kind of at least page through them and look at the, the cool pictures of travel destinations and wish I was there. Somewhere in the, in the middle of those magazines, maybe you've noticed, there, there always seems to be a few pages. On the top, it, it has the title, Top Doctors in America. You ever seen those? It's a page with a picture of a doctor, and they're being featured because they have been recognized by their peers to be the best doctor in their field, the best eye surgeon, the best orthopedic surgeon, best, best plastic surgeon. I'm sure if you looked up some of those doctors on the internet, you would, you would find some impressive resumes. And, and some amazing results that they have given to their patients. But you know what? The top doctors in America aren't good enough. As much of a difference they make in the lives of their patients, the top doctors in America, they're still not good enough. Because... The, the best eye surgeon out there who, who brings sight back to a, a ruined eye can do nothing when that same person later in life has a fatal heart attack. The best spinal surgeon in America can repair uh, a young athlete's severe back injury, maybe allowing them to walk again against all odds. But one day in the future, that young athlete will get old. Once again, their back will be bent over in ways that it's not supposed to be. You see, no cure is permanent. Everything breaks down eventually, right? And the top doctors in America, they can only treat the symptoms. We need a physician who can treat the cause of the symptoms. We need a doctor who can find the underlying problem and cure it once for all. We need a physician who can cure sin. Sin, the the thing that eats this world like a plague and is really the cause of everything and everyone being broken down to dust in the end. We need a physician who even has the cure for death itself. A a doctor who doesn't just have one page in a magazine on an airplane. A doctor, a physician, who has a whole book that lays out his resume and his amazing work for his patients, the world. We need the greatest physician. The physician for our souls, Jesus. Around the year 30 AD, there's no airplanes, there's no magazines. But the word spread really quickly that the greatest physician is in town. In that that town called Capernaum, Jesus had kind of been making it his unofficial home base. Some of his disciples are from that town. And uh, Peter, his disciple Peter and his brother Andrew, it seems like they actually had a family home in that, that city. That's where Jesus was staying, in their house. Word got out. Jesus is at that house, and 
the whole town. You can picture this huge crowd coming. They come and they, they pack into that house. So many people that they can't even fit in the doorway. There's just so many people coming to see Jesus because they knew he had the power to heal broken bodies, to, to drive out demons. That's why they came. They came to see the healing, but they stayed for the preaching. Jesus spoke the word to them, the, the good news of the kingdom of God that he was bringing, the same thing he was preaching all around the area of Galilee. And I'm sure the people stuffed in that house are just glued to Jesus' every word until the roof came off. Some, there were some latecomers, right? Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Look at that dedication. Don't you wish you had friends like, like this paralyzed man's friends? I mean, they, they knew. This guy needs to be with Jesus. He needs to see Jesus, hear Jesus. And of course, they run into a little problem. There's a too big of a crowd. They can't get through with the mat that they're carrying the man on. But, but they knew. I think they knew the great physician can heal him and ease his suffering. So they don't give up. They, they could have just left the guy sitting there on his mat and said, you know what, we're going to go see what's going on for ourselves. Sorry, man, just too crowded. It's not what they do. They know that Jesus can heal this man. They have faith that Jesus can do it, so they don't give up. They have a plan B. They, they go to the roof of that house, probably had some stairs going up it, and uh, usually homes that day had a flat roof. It was... Most likely a ceiling made of like beams that had a matting of branches and twigs and it's all held together with, with hard-packed earth. So you see the, these men literally are like digging through the roof until they have an opening big enough to lower the guy on the mat down in front of Jesus. I, I do kind of wonder, what's, what's Peter and his family thinking? Like, oh, come on. <laughs> chunks of the roof coming out. There's a dude being lowered through it. Like, what's next? Okay. Um, either way, that paralyzed man ends up right in front of Jesus, right where he needs to be. He got the front row audience with Jesus that his friends wanted him to have. The people stuffed in that house, you can just see them. They're just looking at Jesus, looking at the paralyzed man. Ooh, what's going to happen? This, this is going to be good. Finally, get to see the great physician in action. This is what we came for. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Uh, anything else you wanted to say, Jesus? Um, we thought, I mean... Aren't you going to heal the guy? What, what, what are the paralyzed man's friends thinking? What, what's going through the paralyzed man's head? Right? Like, Jesus, did you not see what we're trying to do here? Did you not notice all the work we did to get this all set up? We thought you were the greatest physician. I guess even you 
can't heal full-blown paralysis. Jesus, instead of saying, son, your paralysis is cured, says, son, your sins are forgiven. Looks like the paralyzed man and his friends didn't get the results they expected. Kind of disappointing. Have you ever had thoughts like that? Has it ever seemed to you like, you know, if Jesus is my Savior, he really should do more for me? Maybe we've never actually thought that in so many words. I doubt any of you have. But I, th- I think if we're being honest, we have to admit there's, there's been some times where maybe we make it clear that's really the way we feel. Think, oh, Jesus, come on. If, if you really loved me, you'd make it more obvious. You wouldn't have just left me with some words in a book. Jesus, you know what? Why? Do so many other people have stories about themselves or someone else they know who miraculously healed beyond what their doctor said could ever happen? But why, why do so many other people have stories about times when your angels must have been there and come to the rescue in some miraculous way? Why didn't you do that for, for people I know and love? Why didn't you do that for me? Where was your supernatural help and healing when I needed it. Jesus, I, I kind of expected more. Have we ever thought that way? Or thought that Jesus really should be giving me even more? I'm entitled to more. Have we lost sight of how important those words were that Jesus said to the paralyzed man? That he says to us, your sins are forgiven. Have we selfishly thought Jesus owed us more or been disappointed by grace, the greatest miracle of all? Do we hear those words, God forgives you, and well, just kind of glaze over when I hear that. I, I've, that's, that's old news. Heard that before. Doesn't Jesus have anything else in his bag of tricks for me? Um, can't he help me with like the everyday life? things I have going on right now that are really stressing me out. Sorry, but like forgiveness, that's great and all, but it's not doing it for me. I need more. Disappointed by grace. And this is just one more reason that you and I need forgiveness. We need a physician for our souls who can treat the cause of all our problems. Jesus, he saw that man lying there on the ground in front of him. He saw the symptoms. He saw what this sin-twisted world had done to this poor, paralyzed man. He saw the, the lifeless arms, the withered legs. He saw the humiliation. This man had to be carried around by other people like, like worthless luggage. He saw the pain. But he didn't just treat the symptoms. He gave the man a cure for the cause of the symptoms. Right? Everyone else there, they saw the man's very physical problem. The dude's paralyzed. But Jesus saw the man's deeper need. He saw 
the guilt and repentance in that man's heart. Jesus knew. Jesus knew how many times the man had probably complained about his lot in life or been disappointed with God and his plan for him. He saw him probably lash out in anger at others due to his circumstances. He saw that. He saw the man was, was paralyzed spiritually also by sin. But Jesus, he saw the problem and he knew exactly how to treat it and he did. Son, your sins are forgiven. That man got an even better healing than he expected. Even though that man could not stand on his own feet, he could stand upright before God, forgiven. The people in that house that day, they, they still hadn't seen what they came for. The, the teachers of the law, though, that were sitting there, they understood the significance of what Jesus is saying when he says, I forgive your sins. They were upset. They're thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who does this guy think he is? They think he's blaspheming. In other words, that he's slandering God, claiming to be God himself. How dare he? In a sense, they were totally right. Um, God alone can wipe clean the sins of all mankind. But they were so wrong about who Jesus was. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Oh, that's easy, Jesus, we think, right? Like, obviously, it's easier to forgive someone's sins than to make a paralyzed man walk again. Actually, that's, that's not Jesus' point here. Jesus is proving a point to these teachers of the law that neither forgiving sins nor, nor healing paralysis are any easier than the other. Both are equally impossible for mankind to obtain on their own. Both are equally possible for God. And now Jesus lays out his resume to show that he he is the greatest physician, that he has the authority to treat our bodies and our souls. Jesus says to those teachers of the law, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Three commands. Get up, take your mat, go home. No Harry Potter magical incantation. Jesus doesn't whip the crowd up in an emotional frenzy before healing the man. doesn't even touch the guy. Just three short, sharp commands and a terrible disease like paralysis is just blown away. Literally blown away by the breath of God. 
Once again, we see something really supernatural happening in, in a kind of normal looking way. And there's one little detail here that I, I really enjoy. Jesus, one of his commands was, take your mat. Right? The, the man on his way into that house had been carried on the mat. Now, on his way out of the house, the man carries the mat that had carried him. How good did that feel? You know, to us, this miracle of healing paralysis is what gets our attention. It makes our jaws drop. But notice how Jesus simply uses the act of healing to prove that he has the power to do the even greater miracle of forgiving sins as the Son of God, the, the whole reason he came to earth. He came not to treat the symptoms, but the cause. His act of forgiving the man's sin was invisible, right? No one there saw the pile of sins on that man's soul. No one saw that mass of sin disappear into nothing when the man forgave, or when Jesus forgave the man. They did see the, the second act pretty clearly. The, the guy gets up and walks out of the house with his mat. That one was obvious. But Jesus just used the second visible miracle to verify the first miracle that no eye could see. The real point of this account is that Jesus forgives sins as the Son of God. The act of healing paralysis was simply the resume he put out there to show he has all the authority to announce God's forgiveness to the whole world. You know it's true. Jesus said it. So even though you're not going to be able to physically feel your sins being forgiven, you can't physically feel them being wiped clean away from you. It's still the best thing that has ever been done for you. As much as we wish we could see some flashy, supernatural sign of Jesus' love for us, he gives us something better. He treats sin. The underlying cause for all the world's problems, all your problems. Jesus didn't come just to heal physical ailments. He came to win forgiveness for the whole world that suffers under the curse of sin. You know you can trust the forgiveness Jesus brings because he lays out a whole resume of his amazing work. We, we call that resume the Bible. Our eyes are drawn to the cross of Jesus. We see God's love poured out for us there in the blood of Christ. Jesus on that cross, some of the last words he said, it is finished. An exclamation point on your salvation. Sins paid for, finished, forgiven. That grace, that forgiveness will not disappoint no matter how many times you hear it, even if you skip over it and glaze over it, still, it's yours. Forgiveness. As that man walked home that day, I, I'm sure he realized Jesus had done two very amazing things for him. Now, as great as the miracle of healing his paralysis was, years down the road, the man would get old, his body would fail him once again. Maybe then, maybe then, he realized how much more important that first miracle was. How much more that one stuck with him through it all. 
He got the forgiveness. He got the cure his soul needed. The forgiveness that brings eternal life. The ultimate cure even for death itself. Forgiveness. So you know what? Don't worry if you have no story of your own about a time you healed way beyond your doctor's expectations. Could it happen? Sure, sure it could. But don't sit there waiting, expecting it to happen. Jesus still loves you even if you've never had a miraculous healing. You know he loves you. He gave you an even better kind of healing. Jesus brings forgiveness for you against all odds. He cures your deepest wounds. He takes care of sin. That's really the underlying problem for everything. The people in that home that day, they were amazed. We have never seen anything like this. As much as we would love to see something like this, a big miracle like that, we may never see it. That's okay. You and I have seen something far better. We've seen the announcement of forgiveness ring out from cross and tomb. Your sins are forgiven. You've been healed by the greatest physician this world has ever seen. Amen.